Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. We're glad to have you with us today. Always welcome in the house of faith, God's house. He's a father. We're his family. I'm coming to you right now. This is exciting. From the platform in the sanctuary here at Legacy Church, Green Mountain Falls, Colorado. I mean, take a look around behind me. We're in, man. We are in. If you've been tracking with our ministry for any time now, you know this is a big thing. We've been believing God to get this sanctuary open to the community around us, those in Colorado Springs, Woodland Park, right here in Green Mountain Falls, and we are there. Glory to God. Now, there's still work to be done. Obviously, still a lot of work to be done, but God has brought us this far. He'll carry us all the way through. And many of you watching this, you've sown into this project, this buy up and build out project. And we thank God for you. We thank God for your seed. We receive it. We call you blessed in Jesus' name. We're in a 30,000 square foot facility. And gosh, two years ago or more, we released faith for $100 a square foot and we have seen miraculous progress. The last time I reported to you on Legacy TV, we were about 90% complete. And right now, as I record this, we're around 95%. That's, that's just almost right there. It's been the grace of God that's got us this far. It'll be the grace of God that gets us all the way. And this is just the first part of this project. And we believe that by the time we finish up this project, well, we'll we're already having services. We've got people in the sanctuary, but uh, we thank God for the, the momentum that we've got right now that's going to just carry us over into the next part of this project, calling this place paid for, just getting it expanded and, and into great condition for a church family. So thank you so much for being a part of this. If you want to continue to be a part of the buy up and build out project, there's a number of ways you can get involved. If you've got an offering and you'd like to text it, you can do that by texting LTV and any dollar amount to the number 28950. If you'd like to give online, you can do that at pearsonsministries.com. Or if you're writing a check, you can make it payable to Pearson's Ministries International. Use the address that you see there on your screen. Today, we're going to get into the Word of God together. We've been meeting in another room in the church for several weeks, as many of you know, several weeks, several months. And uh, I'm going to take you back in time just a few weeks. We began a new series here in the church called The Rise of Reverence. And we... We sense that the Lord wants to just pour out his glory and his presence in this church to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's the, the scripture that this church is built upon. But what we see from the word is that our honor and our reverence for him is like an open door that he pours himself through, not just in this house, but in your house. So let's get into the word together today. And I'll be back at the end of this broadcast. Praise the Lord. If you got your Bible with you, go with me to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 3. Thank you, Lord. We're going to talk some more today as the Lord leads us and helps us about some of the things we've been talking about together for the last, I don't know, six weeks or so. About what is it that makes this church grow? And I always feel a little funny saying it, looking at a mostly empty room. And I, and I know it's because the doors aren't open yet. And I know we got a lot of people watching and waiting who are hungry to be in here. And I know as soon as we get these doors open, I know this place will be full. But it, you don't want to wait till you see something before you start saying something. Yeah. And I've said this to you already, but it bears repeating. The life of faith 
is not based on first seeing, then believing. It's the other way around. We believe so that we will see. And in this church, that same principle applies. We're not going to wait and preach salvation until some people start getting saved. We're not going to wait for them to get saved before we preach salvation. That's ridiculous. You preach it so that you will see it. And that's how faith for it comes, right? By hearing the word on it. We're not going to wait till somebody gets healed before we start preaching healing. You're never going to see it. You preach that Jesus is the healer. You preach that it's God's will for you to be made well and whole and strong. Faith comes and you believe that, then you see it. Well, the same principle applies with the growth of this church. We don't wait until there's a bunch of people in the room until we start talking about how to grow. No, we're going to preach it. We're going to look to the word for it. And that's what's so important is you look to the word for it. Because there's a lot of ways to grow anything, including a church that have nothing to do with God. And we want to make sure that how we grow is we grow according to the word. Let's look at this together in first Timothy chapter three, Paul writing to this young pastor who was, I think exactly my age, uh, early forties. And in first Timothy chapter three, He said to him in verse 14, these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly, but if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Notice these words here, the pillar and ground of the truth. What's the pillar and the ground of the truth? The church. And he said, I'm writing these things to you. (laughs) I like this line. So you know how to act in church. Isn't that what he said? Look at it again. I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church. And what is the church? It's the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. I'm writing to you, Paul said. I'm writing to you, young pastor. I mean, I take this very personally. I'm in the exact same place that this young guy, Timothy, was in. And so I take this very personally. He might as well have said, I'm writing to you, Jeremy, so that, check this out, you know how to act in church. You hearing me online, family? I'm writing to you so that you know how to act in church. Should we be acting in church differently than we act just on a a day-to-day basis? I mean, should our conduct, should we come to church with a different mentality? I'm setting you up a little bit here, and and, and there are a lot of people that say, no, you know, look, I'm just going to be myself. I'm myself everywhere I go. And, well, that's okay unless you're messed up. (laughs) And then you being used, not okay. (laughs) No, we're not. the, The highest aim of our lives is not to just fully express ourselves. That's what this world will tell you, right? You just be you and you just live your own truth and you just express yourself any old way you want to. You got to be careful who you say that to because some people are strange. (laughs) No, our highest aim and goal in this life is not to self-express. We are to express Jesus, to reflect Jesus. Amen if you believe that. But I like what he said here. I'm writing to you so that you know how to act in church. 
Y'all are going to laugh at this, but I, I found something this morning thinking about some of these things uh, online of all places. Look, just put up that first slide. Let me show this to you. Look what I found online. Yeah, and this is proof. I was Googling at 628 this morning. No, notice what I found here. This is WikiHow. Does anybody know what the website WikiHow is? I've stumbled across it a few times. It, it just basically helps with like practical things. I mean, you could find like how to change a light bulb or how to wash a car, just this little stuff around the house. It just spells it out for you step by step. Step one, two, three, four. Well, I don't even know how I found this, but I came across it this morning. Uh, how to act respectfully in church. Anybody interested in this information this morning? How to act respectfully in church. Now, the highlights and the red lines are mine, but I want you to read some of this. Whether you're a first-time visitor or a regular attendee, it's important to understand the etiquette at a Christian church. All denominations and parishes are unique, so the rules may differ slightly depending on where you are. This article covers some of the general guidelines for how to act in church. Check out step one. Dress modestly and maturely. Now, a lot of this was good information. Uh, while, listen, while expressing yourself, what we were just talking about that, can be healthy and fun in a casual setting, it's good to keep it modest and professional at church. Now, I like this next instruction right here. Wash up. Wash up. Look at your neighbor and say, wash up. This is good advice, ladies and gentlemen. Wash up. Wear some of your nicer clothes. Huh? Just like how you'd want to dress well when you're going somewhere important, you want to dress well when you're in God's house. I didn't really catch the next line. Avoid strong perfumes and colognes. <laughs> that went on. Let's go on to step two. Shh. Uh, I like this one. Arrive at church early. Bless yourself. I, I don't know. I don't know. Bless yourself and genuflect, genuflect before sitting quietly in a pew. Uh, I have to admit that this list sort of uncovers my limited vocabulary. I have no idea what it is to genuflect. I don't know if it hurts. I don't know <laughs> if, if, it's, if you have to have an usher help you with it or what, but genuflect. Um, it's very important to stay quiet. Try to arrive between 5 and 15 minutes early if possible. If you arrive late, you could interrupt people's focus. Uh, anyway, this, this has good information. Go on to this next one for me. Oh, yeah, I like this. Step three of how to behave respectfully in church. Shake hands with those around you during the greeting. This is a good time to chat briefly, catch up, and exchange compliments. I like this next line. See if you can think of something nice to say. <laughs> Just see. Then just give it a shot. If you can't, then just stand there quietly. I like this. This is obviously written. I don't know when it was written. If there's an illness going around, for example, during the flu season, or if you're very afraid of germs, it's okay not to shake hands. <laughs> Listen to what they say you should do. You might say, I'd rather not shake hands, but I am happy to see you. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Well, this is all... Step by step, how to behave in church. Go to the next one for me. This one's great. Verse, uh, verse number four. Speak respectfully of your neighbors, both the church goers around you and the people who aren't here. There's nothing godly about gossip. Keep your words kind, even towards people you disagree with or dislike. Show God's love to everyone. Say this next one with me. 
Avoid swearing in church. I would ask that if you don't mind, if that's okay. Avoid swearing in church. Okay, next one. Let's go get get past all this here. Uh, Number five, pay attention and participate during the service. Once again, this is a sign of respect both to others and to him. Although it might get boring. (laughs) Huh. Although it might get boring, keep your thoughts on God. If if your mind wanders, at least stay on your best behavior. Do your best, Chris, to be mature (laughs) during the sermon, even if the topic is uncomfortable or you aren't sure you agree with the priest. It's good advice. This next one went on to say, some people have trouble focusing. If your mind wanders easily, like, listen to this, it's okay to say a freestyle prayer in your head to God for a while. And you can see I have questions about this. Is this like a rap? Is that what they're trying to encourage you to do? If your mind wanders, it's okay to just freestyle in your head. So if I look out in the crowd and I see people just like one ear and just like, yo, God, I'm here to worship you with my heart. And if you're just freestyling, that's fine. If you got bored, singing is a great way to participate and feel closer to God. If you're shy, it's okay to sing quietly or just follow the words with your mind. God isn't picky. I think he's probably more picky than you might think. What's the next one? Surely we're coming to the end. Yeah, this is towards the end here. I like the illustrations to really help make room for people coming in and out of the pew. Just skip down there. If someone is coming, do your best to get out of the way. So this is great advice, isn't it? Sorry, I don't know why I felt compelled to share all that with you this morning. But it did make me realize we have so many schools of thought. We can take that down now, thank you. About how to act in church and where it comes from. And if you grew up in church, I grew up in church, many of you did. Maybe you had a a domineering mother (laughs) that was going to make sure that you were still, you were quiet, you behaved well, and it just was not a place. Church is not fun. We do not laugh. Behave yourself. Don't act up in church. We get all these traditions about how we're supposed to behave in church. But the Bible's talking to us, and I think it's probably important that we, did, we, we make decisions about how we act in church based on what the Bible says. And that's what Paul wrote here to Timothy. Didn't say anything to him about freestyling in your head. He didn't say anything to him about getting out of people's way or any of that. What he did say, though, if you back up in this same chapter into verse 1, it says, It's a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. Now, that word bishop just means an overseer, somebody who's in a position to make decisions, to give direction. That would be the position that Sarah and I hold or others on our staff, people in leadership. Notice what the requirements are. He talks about how they should be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, and so on. Listen to what he says in verse 4. One who rules his own house well. Now he's talking to you about how you act in God's house, but he's bringing it back to how you act in your house. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission. Now listen to this word, with all reverence. I want you to say the word reverence. He goes on in uh, verse 8, says, likewise, deacons must be reverent. So there's that word again, reverent. Now a deacon is, you look it up, this is just somebody who serves. This is not a particular 
place of high authority or position in the church. This is somebody who serves. This is somebody who ministers. It's not a word we use so often in our circles anyway, but he's just talking about somebody who is serving others in the church. And the first thing he requires of this person is that they be reverent. Verse 11, likewise, their wives must be reverent. Not slanders, but they must be temperate, faithful in all things. Let these servants be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. Again, he starts talking about what's going on in your house. How what happens in the house of God, and you've heard us say this before, should be going on in your house. But did you notice the word that kept coming up over and over when he's writing to him saying, this is how I want you acting in church. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in church. What's the word you hear over and over? Reverent. Reverence. We've been looking in the book of Acts for the last several weeks. Go there with me to Acts chapter 9. We were looking at this early, early church, the first few days of this church and what was going on in it, and how they were so miraculously growing. I mean, from the day of Pentecost forward, thousands of people were added to the church, sometimes thousands at a time. When the Spirit of God came and rested upon them in the upper room and filled them up, and they came out speaking in other tongues, and people thought they were drunk, and Peter had to preach to them and say, we're not drunk, at least not like you think we are. And he began to preach and people heard it and they believed it and they received it. And the scripture tells us that, what was it? 3,000 people were added to the church that day. That's miracle grow, man. That is growing miraculously and exponentially fast. And it wasn't just that day, but in the next chapter, in the miracle that we've already talked about today, the man at the gate, when he received his strength, people came. And again, Peter and John preached to him. And again, thousands of people were added. You see it in, where are you, chapter 9? You can see it in chapter 6 in various places. Um, Thank you, Lord. Where'd that go? Verse 7, the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of priests were obedient to the faith. You can see it constantly. Uh, One verse tells us that there were people being added daily to the church. This is miraculous growth. And what we want to find out is what was the catalyst for it? What was the cause of it? Because like I said, you can grow a number of different ways, but most of those ways and those methods don't have anything to do with growing God's way. And I'm not here to judge anybody or anything. You don't know other people's hearts. You don't know why they've done what they've done. And that's between them and the Lord. But as for, as for me in my house, as for us in this house, we will grow because God is a God of increase. We know that. But we are determined to do it His way. Amen? So in chapter 9, notice this, just one verse. Look at it, verse 31. It says, then the churches, now the cross-reference there just says the church, one church, several places. Then the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. That word edified means built up. Now we know something about this because that's what's going on around us right now naturally, right? I mean, this place is being built up. And the word edified itself, we use the word edifice, just means a building. 
This, this natural physical place is being edified right now. It's being constructed and reconstructed and remodeled. There's edification going on, but this place is not the only thing under construction. You are. I am. There's a building up taking place. I found this out just in the last few days studying this, that the same word edified was also translated emboldened. So the church wasn't just built. They were emboldened, even living under threat from religious leaders and various people. They were emboldened to preach the gospel. So the place had peace. They were edified. Now notice this and walking in the fear of the Lord. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. They were multiplied. I think that word multiplied, you look it up in the Greek, it's the word where we get plethora. They were increased. There was people and people and people and more just kept coming and coming. And you see here that in addition to the other things we've already talked about, being full of the Holy Ghost, being strengthened in faith, all these things we've dealt with in weeks past, what was another root cause to their miracle grow was that they were walking in the fear of the Lord and simultaneously at the same time and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Walking in the fear of the Lord. That's reverence. That's what Paul wrote to Timothy about. This is how I want you acting in church. Now, when you think about this place, this church, any group, any, anything at all that grows miraculously fast, any organization, any business, anything that grows while other things aren't growing, that grows while other things are shrinking, you have to conclude that at least at some base level, the reason it's growing is because people are finding something there that they're not finding in other places. They're finding some sort of flow of of life. They're finding some need being met. And that's why even in economic downturn, You can watch it throughout history that even while times when most of the rest of the world was struggling, there was always pockets of people who were thriving and prospering and growing. It's like, how can you grow in a time when everything and everyone else is withering and shrinking back? Well, it's the, the, the base reason has got to be because people find something there that they don't find everywhere else. And you have to conclude when you look at this verse that these people were walking in the fear of the Lord. They're walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and they're being multiplied because of that. In other words, they're finding something here that they had never found in anything or anywhere else. And what they were finding, it wasn't, it wasn't an environment that was attempting to mirror what they already lived in. It wasn't a culture that was striving to make them quote unquote comfortable. It wasn't something that was trying to, trying to help them settle in and just make it as much like the world they already lived in. Had nothing to do with that. Why? Because they already lived in that world. Why, why go somewhere else to find something you've already got? So what they were finding here in the church 
was something they hadn't found and couldn't find anywhere else. And what the Bible tells us they were finding was the fear of the Lord and, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.